The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Not a whole lot going on this week in Red Leg Nation. Uh, not a lot of, no signings, really. Uh, minor league catchers, things like that uh, we won't get into today. But it's sort of a calm before the storm because February 14th, coming up here soon, pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training, and then we'll all be starting back again. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm not as optimistic this year as I've been in just about every other year that I've been a Reds fan. Um, I always come February, March, April, sort of put on my Pete Rose colored glasses and uh, become overly optimistic about the, the team. It's called hope. Uh, I don't have as much of that this year, but I'm trying to, to work myself up into the annual spring training frenzy. We'll see how that goes. Last spring training in Sarasota, Florida. So if any of you are going to be going down to spring training, let us know. Um, out to Arizona next year, which will be be strange at best. Not a lot going on otherwise in Red Leg Nation. Um, how about a movie review? Saw uh, Slumdog Millionaire the other day. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. Run, do not walk to see that movie. Unbelievable. Just a fantastic movie. Uh, funny and touching and just entertaining from beginning to end. Uh, super movie. Um, if it doesn't win the Oscar for Best Picture, I'll be very surprised. Uh, great picture. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the meat of our episode today, Red Leg Nation Radio. Um, Bill Lack, uh, our, one of our uh, editors at Red Leg Nation, this guy is an interviewing machine. Um, we're very fortunate at Red Leg Nation. If, you, if you've not been to redlegnation.com, go check out uh, one of our favorite features there, which is our Spotlight Player program. There are several. Right now we've got three. We've had some others in the past, and right now we've got three spotlight players with the Reds. These are minor league guys who've agreed to write posts for Red Leg Nation and sort of check in with us on a regular basis, let us know how things are going. And over the offseason, we've been trying to check in with all these guys. Started with uh, outfielder Tyler Stovall. Um, if you listened to our last two podcasts, you heard a, just a super interview with Matt Klinker, pitcher in the Reds minor league organization had a great year last year. Tyler Stovall had a great year last year. and Another guy that uh, we're hoping for big things for this year, hopefully in AA uh, and very successful in AA this year, is uh, Logan Parker. Logan Parker is a University of Cincinnati product who's been with us for a couple years as a spotlight player at Red Leg Nation. and We've enjoyed getting to know him through this program and, and watching him progress. Uh, had some injury problems. We hope he's over that. And he just talks about a little bit of that in the interview. We're going to have part one of this interview that Bill Lack did with him, um, getting the sort of the, the how he's doing uh, as he gets ready for spring training. Uh, that was sort of the goal of these uh, spotlight player interviews was to touch base with them as they get ready to prepare for the season, and then we'll get to sort of just fly on into the year and touch base with them the, at various times during the season. 
Um, we're going to run part one of this uh, interview with uh, Logan Parker. Bill is a fantastic interviewer, as you'll, you'll see, um, and uh, it gets to be fairly in-depth. So we're going to go ahead and break this one up into two parts as well. But I think you'll enjoy it. I'll go ahead and uh, hand the reins over to Bill at this time with Red Leg Nation Spotlight player, Logan Parker. Welcome to Red Leg Nation. We're here at Champions Baseball Academy in Cincinnati again to talk to our most experienced spotlight player, Logan Parker. Welcome. Great to have a chance to catch up with you again, Logan. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Doing well. So tell us about your off-season. What you been doing? Your jobs? And I know you've been working off-season. And, and uh, what you do for the holidays? That kind of thing. You know, I had, uh, like I said earlier on that on the little post, I've had three jobs at one point. At one point I was working at UPS, unloading trucks, big 18-wheelers. Blew my back out in like a week, so I figured that it's not worth it. It was $8.50 an hour. I've been working downtown at Lodge Bar, basically just working the door, standing there, checking IDs for hours upon hours, and then cleaning up, getting home at like 4 in the morning after the bar's closed, and then uh, doing lessons and camps up here at Champions. But, you know, now with baseball coming around, I've decided, you know, the Lodge Bar's done. You know, the money I've got from that, I can live off of a little bit. I paid my last month's rent here in Cincinnati with my roommates. So, basically just working, working camps, cleaning everything up, and getting ready to leave. There was an article on uh, Major League Base or MinorLeagueBaseball.com a couple weeks ago talking about working for UPS, and I think they were talking about with this out in, out in Arizona, but they actually target minor league baseball players for right? off-season work. Did they come to you, or did you go to them? No, I went to them. And oh, okay. Bob Rankell, a guy who does pitching lessons out here, uh, former minor league players, like a shift supervisor or something out there, and I didn't even know it. And when I went out there, there's a gig that a lot of people get. It's uh, helping drivers in the trucks. They actually, like, you know, jump in and out of the truck and run around. That's what packages. I think this program was. That is paid, like, they get paid, like, twelve fifty, twelve seventy. They were talking about being pretty good money. Good money. And that's, like, less work, less, like, I'm t I was lifting, like, 65. That's the day that I said, all right, that's it. I was lifting 65-pound boxes onto a conveyor belt, and they wanted me to unload my truck as fast as the person next to me who had 10-pound boxes. And they're screaming at me doing it, and I'm just like, you know what? It's not for me. I've got a career to worry about. Thanks. Speaking of your your baseball career, tell us about what you've been what, how you what you've been doing your off season training regimen. You know, how do you set it up? Does the team help you set it up? Do you work off what the team tells you? Do you do your own thing? How does that work? You know, they set up the Reds do a good job of setting up an off season program that works best for a whole. They set it up as a team. You know, say here's this for all of our minor league guys. You know, I've really followed that my first year, that first off season. And I went to spring training and felt like I didn't get any stronger. I was in shape, but I didn't get any stronger physically. So this offseason, and you know, last offseason I had surgery, so there wasn't a whole lot of working out. But this offseason's been all pretty much on my own. I follow it a little bit with the conditioning part of it, the running, the agilities and things. But in the weight room, I'm, you know, I split it up where I do like back and biceps one day, chest and triceps the next, and then legs the next, and then right back into that routine. So I'm working out five to six days a week getting ready, come up here and hit, you know, four or five days a week, especially when I can get somebody to sit here and do flips with me, whether it's, you know, a former player, somebody who's still playing. I do a lot with Jay Johnson up here. You know, Clinker came up the other day and hit me some ground balls. So anything I can do baseball-wise, whenever somebody's here to help, is I'm jumping on it at any time I can. Do you hit all offseason or do you lay off for a little while and then come back to it? You know, that first year, that's another thing I did that – I really regret it, and I feel like that's what got me in a lot of bad habits and 
like attributed to my slow start in Dayton was I hit as soon as the season was over I went back and you know I was at UC hitting almost every day so by the time I got into the season there was a lot of like bad habits that I had gotten into because I can't feel some of the things that if I had a coach sitting there telling me hey don't do this then I couldn't really feel it so this offseason it's been completely different I've tried a whole new thing I started hitting when I got back from Texas actually in January started swinging a little bit and uh, came in here and hit with Greg Zahn one day who just signed with the Orioles and then uh, Joe Cruzel, who just got let, he was let go by the Reds. And now he's the hitting coach in low A with St. Louis in Quad Cities. But uh, unbelievable hitting guy, you know, really helpful, does everything. I, I enjoy working with him, and I've done it, you know, twice now. So you think that first year, by hitting on your own and stuff, you developed a lot of bad habits, got lazy, just developed bad habits, whatever. Right. And with nobody to watch you that kind of knows your swing, this year you've had people working with you in the offseason that you think you're more more ready when spring training is going to start. Right, and the reps aren't there that I had that first year, but the quality of reps are there now. I took a lot of, you know, a lot of just terrible swings, and I didn't know it. I thought I was getting, you know, good work done. By the time I went to spring training, everybody was like, what happened? Like, you had a great year in Billings, your swing was this, and now it's completely different. What happened? And that was just all things I really just couldn't feel as a hitter. I like golf. I like to watch golf. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you hear, you hear about I'm talking about rebuilding a golfer's swing. Mm-hmm. Does that translate to baseball? Do you ever have to like rebuild? Did you have to like rebuild your swing? That's where, when I was off that such a slow start in Dayton that first year, you know, I finally just went to the mercy of our hitting coach. I went to Darren Bragg. And I said, Bragg, dude, whatever you have, what do you got for me? I'll try anything. I'll try to hit right-handed. I don't care. At this point, it's that bad. It can't I'll get do, any worse. I'll right? do whatever you got. So I tell him, he told me, he's like, let's try a toe tap, let's try it in the cages, and then when you take it to take it to the game today, it doesn't matter if you haven't worked on it or not. He goes, what are you going to do, go over? He goes, you were over your last 10 anyways. It doesn't matter. Try it. I said, all right, you got it. I tried it, and really, I really did just completely redo it entire swing. And now, and then when I got hurt, I had to almost redo it again when I got back to Dayton because I had gotten away from it again because I wasn't comfortable with it. And when I got back with Bragg again, he's like, hey, let's get back to it. Let's work it, work into it a little bit more. And that's when I got hot and it just took off. You posted on the, on the blog that you had a big loss mm-hmm. over the holidays in your family. Your thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to you and your family over the loss of your grandfather. Mm-hmm. How important was he to you as a person and as a, and as a player? You know, he was my hero. He was somebody I really looked up to. He was somebody who, after every game, no matter if I was 0 for 4, it was funny because guys, when I would ride home in the car with whoever, and, you know, my girlfriend always being there and dating with me. Uh, you know, when we get in the car, as we're walking, the phone would ring, and everybody knew who it was. They're like, I tell Papa, we said, uh, so I just answer the phone. I'm like, hello, we talk. If I had a good night, he's like, good night, man. You're getting hot. And he's like, uh, we're looking to send you up. And he's like, when are they going to send you up? When are they going to send you up? Papa, it doesn't happen that easy. And I was like, you know, I've been, I've been hot for a while, but it'll happen. It'll take place. And he's like, all right. And then he calls, if I have an 0 for 4, or I'm 0 for 8, whatever it was. He'd call and say, hey, it's like, you just keep your nose clean. You hang in there and you keep working hard. They won't send you down, will they? I'm like, I'm not going back to Billings, no. I was like, Dayton's where I'm at. I'm like, you know, I'll move from here or wherever I move. But no, I was like, everything will take place. But, you know, he was. He was. He, it was a big loss for our family. But after seeing him the past couple of years, how his health had decreased, it's, he's in a much better place. And that's what, uh, that's the comfort that, you know, everyone in my family could live with and know that, you know, he has gone on and, there's no more pain, no more suffering with him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough for you, though, this year. When it is. When the phone doesn't ring. It is. On those nights. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Well, we wish you the best with that. You know that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, on a lighter subject, um, during the offseason, do you have much contact with the Reds organization? I haven't heard from any of them. You know, they mm-hmm. gave me, uh, they sent out the contract or whatever, and you call you call agent and say, hey, this is what the numbers are. And he says, okay, let me call Terry Reynolds. And he calls him and says, hey, I just had a really good conversation with him. Sign the contract. The numbers are what they are. But, you know, you know get ready. Being at Sarasota on yeah. X day. Yeah. yeah. And that's when it says the reporting date. They just sent that out and, uh, you know, it tells you be here with this, this, and this and get ready to go. Okay. Let's talk about last year. And you, you alluded to some of this already. Your 2008 season really started in 2007, in the playoffs of 2007 when you got hurt. Uh, you hurt your shoulder diving back into first base in the playoff game, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us about what what happened to your shoulder. You know what 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 it hurt and what you had to do and how long it took you to come back from that. You know it was something that I had I had done earlier. I did it like July 2nd in Fort Wayne. I'll never forget diving. I terrible read on a ground ball. I just tried to go to third on a ground ball to short, and the kid threw me out at third. But when I dove in, I tried to go around a tag, and the kid dropped his knee on my shoulder. So I came out of that game in like the 7th, and then on July 4th, you know, everybody wants to play July 4th. It's that day, you know, it's a baseball day. So I'm like, you know, I'm playing. I don't feel like it doesn't hurt, nothing's wrong. And so I got back in and played, and played all the way till the playoffs, no pain, diving all over the place, and nothing was wrong. And then when it happened in the playoffs, I knew it was more severe. As soon as I, as soon as I landed, I just, just, I'm trying to call time, I get up, my arm's kind of numb, Donnie runs over, and I shake his hand. He's like, you have to shake and squeeze my hand for you to stay in this game. Like, I want to see your strength. And it couldn't have been more than just a little pinch on him. And he's like, he kind of gives me this look, like, are you sure? Uh-oh. And I said, I said, I'm playing. I'm not coming out. He goes, all right. And I stayed in, hit a three-run homer. And then the next inning, I dove for a ball down the line, and that was, I knew it was it. We had two outs, luckily. The next ball, ground out to Cozart, and he hit me right in the chest. If it was anywhere else, I keep telling him to this day, I couldn't lift my arm above. I couldn't even get it to my face. It was chest only, anything chest and down. Came what, out and then what I had you actually done? I tore my labrum when the, I guess when it, they said it sublux, which means it almost comes out of place, and it's all those muscles in there stretch out when it does it, and when it comes back, it hits your, it hits that labrum and cuts it. And when I went to, uh, I went to Sarasota to rehab first. They were like, you know, I saw Dr. Kremchak, and he's like, hey, you can rehab this. I think we can avoid surgery. So awesome. So I remember you, know, you either told me that or I heard it from somebody else that, yeah. that you were trying to you thought you'd be able to avoid surgery on yeah. this. And I was excited about that. You know, yeah, I, obviously everybody wants to stay away from surgery, but I went back, did three months of rehab. By the time I left Florida, I felt decent, not great, but they said, "Hey, it's going to keep getting better." Like it has. Awesome. You know, I'm real positive about it. Go to UC and I'm hitting one day and I. And I said, this isn't right. Like, and when you say it didn't feel right, did you? was it strength or was it something else? Or was it, just- it was strength and pain combined. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they said the strength would come, which would eliminate the pain. So I kept working hard on my rehab. Didn't overdo it because, I mean, in mm-hmm. that situation you can't. And I go to UC and I hit one day and I said, this isn't right. I called, you know, I called my agent and I said, Joe, you, this, this, something's not right with my shoulder. And he goes, all right, well, we'll get it taken care of. And so I went down and was doing... Uh, rehab my physical therapy with John Walker, the big league physical therapist for the Reds. I was driving down the stadium, you know, first class treatment. It was very it was very nice of him to do it and make it where I didn't have to go back to Sarasota. But, uh, I mean, he, he was, we keep doing it. We do rehab for two weeks with him, and then Krimchak comes in and says, they say, hey, we need you to look at, you know, Parker's shoulder again. And Krimchak looked at it, put me on a table, 
and easily just slid my arm out of socket. And he's like, how does that feel? And I'm like, it feels like it's out of socket. And he's like, does it hurt? And I go, it feels funny. It doesn't hurt. And he goes, oh, I've got your arm. I'm holding it. That's why. And I'm like, well, is it out of socket? He said, yeah. I, I kind of chuckled. I said, well, put it back in. So he put it in, and he's like, all right, we're going to have to have surgery. We'll have it tomorrow. So it was literally that quick. So when did they do the surgery? December 17th of last year. Okay. Then then what happened? How did that happen? I mean, what happened after that? Surgery. And then with mine was different. Usually if you have it on your throwing arm, they start moving it around the next day to get that range of motion back. But with mine, it was I had too much range of motion with my shoulder. It was too loose, and that's why it kept popping out. So I sat with two weeks and kept it in that sling for two weeks. Nothing, no movement, no nothing. So I went home for Christmas, came back, and saw him, and he's like, "All right, we'll get to start. We'll start moving it now." And from there on, it was a constant battle until probably three weeks after I was in Dayton. When I first went to Dayton, you know, I had to get out of Sarasota. Extended everything. It was just not right. Nothing was for me. It's it was it's a bad deal. Anytime it extended, you know, everybody wants out. But by the time I got to Dayton, I wasn't fully healthy and was playing through pain still. Shoulder was still like locking up the scar tissue. I would swing and I wouldn't. Like, I'd be on deck, and I would sit there, and it would just lock up. And I'd kind of freak out about it. And then uh, John Walker actually came down to Dayton, or came up to Dayton with one of the big league guys, and asked, you know, I asked him, I said, something's wrong still. Like, it locks up. He's like, oh, it's scar tissue. And I'm like, what do I do? And he goes, pop it out. As soon as it happens, if your arm locks up, just yank it. He's like, it's going to hurt, and it'll pop, but it's scar tissue. You have to break it. So literally, when I would sit there and it would lock up, I'd put the weight on the like the donut on the bat mm-hmm. and swing it around my head just I'd hear a pop like that and it, alright here we go so the extended spring training that's kind of like being in limbo isn't it I mean, oh, man. every day it's like it is it is spring training all over again you play four days except for you get that fifth day off every every fifth just day just inter-squad stuff no you play the same teams you play Pittsburgh oh it's, it's, it's kind of like Pittsburgh. golf coast league exactly it's okay. exactly what it is and so it's it's bad. It's the mornings that you feel like once you go through a spring training that you've almost like, when the season comes, you sleep in. You sleep till 11, 12 o'clock before it's time to go to the field. But then when that's, when you're still in extended, you're still up at 7 o'clock at the park every day. And you still don't get out there. You're out of there at 4.30 or 5, but it's so hot. And it's I mean, 120 it's just, degrees in Sarasota and you're playing during the day. It's like the poor Gulf Coast League kids. It is. And anybody who puts up good numbers in the Gulf Coast League, you have to tip your hat to you know, people are like, oh, that's just rookie ball, it's Gulf Coast League. People don't understand unless you've actually seen it or played in it and experienced it. There's 10 people watching those games, at most. It's the most. I've been to some of those games. there's people charting. and Like, I mean, it's, there's nothing. There's nothing to those games. There's no excitement. The blue shirts are full it's, that day. It's terrible umpires. <laughs> it's terrible everything. And it's a bad, I mean, it's a tough league. Yeah, it that's, really that's where I met Bo Lanier and, and, and Russell Hallwangers when they were down there. And I was the only person in the ballpark. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. When, you, when you're in extended like that, and you've already said that it's really tough to, to stay back. And then, is it tough to get over a disappointment, or do you use that as a motivating factor to get the heck out of there? I knew I was going to be in extended because my spring training was nothing. I would show up to the park when everybody else was showing up and getting dressed. I would walk in every day and put my sliding shorts on and my shorts and go straight to the, like, the training room and do my rehab, do my running. And then I would, uh, at first I got to leave, and then the, you know, the Reds were like, hey, stay around and watch the games. Just be a little bit more supportive. Whatever, I was fine with it. But I didn't start baseball activity until probably the last week 
of spring training. So I knew I was going to be an extended. That was part of it when I had the surgery. But I thought when we first had the surgery that I'd be back two weeks into extended and then I'd be gone. And it turned out to be three and a half, four weeks, which is... Was it the shoulder didn't come around as fast as you thought it would, or was it the Reds' decision? It, no, the shoulder didn't even come around. Yeah. I know when you when you, we talked early in the street season in Dayton, and, and you were telling me, you know, I had no spring training, so my, this is my spring training. Right. And we'll talk a little bit about more, more about that as we go along. But you had a real good 07 in Dayton. No, Not as good as you had in Dayton, but you raised a level, but you, you had a good year. And I was, I was real surprised that you started last year in Dayton to... Uh, were you surprised that they started in Dayton last year? You know, when they tell, that's why a lot of things, it's it's tough on their part, I understand, because they tell you one thing, and that doesn't always pan out. And they told me, you know, when I had the surgery, I, that's the one thing I was worried about, is repeating levels, because I didn't want to do it. As a college senior, you want to move up as quick as yeah, possible you, you with your to. age. Exactly. Absolutely. And I know that part of the, of the deal. And I told them, you know, I don't want to repeat a level. Is there any way I can not do it, if, you know, if I have good whatever? And they said, yeah, you won't repeat, you know, have the surgery. You'll be right in Sarasota right there having rehab, and then you'll just walk right over to the other clubhouse. And it didn't happen that way. And they said, when they first called and said, hey, are you going to fly or drive? And I said, fly or where? And, I kinda, and they kind of hesitated. They're like, oh, we don't know where you're going to go. And I'm like, you know where I'm going. It was the training staff. And I'm like, where am I going? They go, oh, we don't know. Like, we don't know anything. So three or four days later, they came up to me and said, hey, you're going to Dayton tomorrow you're leaving and I'm like awesome so after sitting there thinking about it it's a it's a disappointment but there was a time where I had to just go basically get it over with go to Dayton put up numbers and get out you know show that I didn't need to be there anymore so disappointment kind of I mean sure be it's not 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 anything against Dayton but it's a repeating oh, the level thing absolutely yeah, I mean like I said if I could make if I could one day make big league money and play in Dayton every day, I'd probably do it. And, we'll talk and a little, every player would. We'll talk a little bit more about Dayton here in a few yeah. minutes. You made your debut on May the 8th mm-hmm. against Great Lakes. you remember how you did that night, your first game last yeah, year? Yeah, a grand slam that first night, or a home run, I know. You that. had a home run. You, yeah. you went two for five and had a home run. Yeah. Pretty good Pretty good start to the season. And see, that's when I thought, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, his shoulder's awesome. It's locked in. It really was. I mean, it was. I was still in quite a bit of pain that day. Yeah. And, and then you went through a couple of months where you really struggled in yep. Dayton. Yep. Uh, and, like, and you've told us the shoulder was still bothering you. Uh, is it 100% now? It is. And a lot of my struggles and when I when I went back to Dayton with the pain and everything is because anyone who's watched me play in person, I have a real high finish. And when I'm going good, the finish is high. And it takes strength and it takes you know flexibility to be able to get it up to this point and to be able to hold it once I do swing it. And when I get to Dayton... He's holding his hand over his head for those that are... <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to Dayton and I was rolling over. I was just in and out and just kind of just holding my arm down by my side. So you weren't getting any lift on I the ball? I had no extension. I had no backspin. So, uh, you know, that's when I got with Bragg. And Bragg said, Park, dude, you got to get back to that high finish. That high finish is key for you. And so when my numbers started picking back up, that's when I finally trusted in my shoulder and said, you know what, if it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. But right now... If I'm not healthy and I'm, I can't be a 24-year-old in low A and not putting up decent numbers. I got to get out of here. So you struggle in, in May and June. Mm-hmm. July you caught fire. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Do you know what your numbers were in, in, in July? No, they were outrageous. I was on fire. You hit 372. Your on-base percentage was 500. Your slugging was 581. 
and 43 at bats in July. So let, let's before we talk into your promotion, let's talk about Dayton a little bit. You talked about how much fun it is to play there. Mm -hmm. You've been there for a season. You were there for a season and a half, basically. Mm -hmm. And you're playing in front of 9,000 people, whatever, every night. The, uh, Excuse me. Do, do you find the promotional stuff they do distracting in Dayton as a player? What was the last time? Distracting, no, but when they do, when their promotions come before the game, which a lot of times, if, if you've been to the game, you've seen it. A lot of times, the promotions come and they take over the game. They take away from the game. We're sitting there trying to get the next inning started while Heater and Jim are still out there busting water balloons on each other or shooting the umpires with water guns. So that part of it, distracting, a little bit annoying is more a better word for it as a player. You know, visiting teams love it because they don't see it that much. And we've seen their skits, and especially being there a year and a half, those skits get real <laughs> You've seen all, yeah, there quick. aren't many of them that are new. Exactly. So distracting, kind of, but more annoying. Yeah, Matt, we, Matt and I talked about this the other day, and we did an interview with Matt on Friday. Right. And uh, he says for a pitcher, it's a little easier for a guy in the rotation. Mm -hmm. Because he can pay attention to him, you can, know, on, the, on, the, on his off days. And exactly. then, you know, then he can, you know, focus in on the, on, on, you know, what he needs to do on the days that he's starting. Mm -hmm. Um. You get a lot of interaction with the fans in Dayton because you got a lot of fans. Right. Do you enjoy that working the fence and, and that kind of thing? I do. And you know, the, it's as you've seen when you go to Dayton. There's people who are there every single day to get something else signed, and those people, by the time we play 72 home games in Dayton or 70 home games, by the time game 50 gets around, those people kind of ruin it for everyone else. When the players come out, especially you can see that first month. Everybody walks out, and they're always out there early. They're signing everything. Every little kid gets everything signed. But those people who get those front couple of seats every single day, and they have five or six different things for people to sign, they really take away. Because by the end of the season, guys don't want to go out and sign because those certain people have taken up every spot. And then there would be times, especially my second year, those people would be asking for something. And I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but I signed a million things for you, and there's a huge line of little kids who I see never really. Yeah. I'm going to go take care of I was like, I, if I have time, I'll come back and take care of you. Trust so you, me. So I'll you work. try to work further down, closer to the bullpen. Where yeah, because yeah. that's where all the people who yeah. are little, like it's parents with their little kids, and you know, the little kids just in awe when you walk up. I want somebody more like that who's a, like a first-time fan who's just like, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing. I'm getting to meet a professional baseball exactly. player. Exactly. As opposed to somebody who wants me to sign a home plate that he's going to go sell somewhere. Or, you know. Yeah. It's, that's what makes it kind of tough. And what do you think of the staff in, in, in Dayton, the guys that you deal with, you know, the, the, the ushers and those kinds of guys? Matt talks a lot about it. And there's an usher that's down around the bullpen. I, I, his name escapes me at the moment. I couldn't even tell you. But Matt, had, I mean, you know, being a pitcher, so he dealt with this guy all the time. And, and I, I, I sat by Matt at one of the play, at Clinker at one of the playoff games. And, the, you know, the, the ushers, and, oh, Matt, you know, how you doing? It just seems like the, the, the staff of the Dragons really enjoys dealing with you guys. They do. And I think we have a good relationship based on, like, you know, the general manager up there and the president. And, like, there's uh, John, John Wallace is his name. He, uh, we just call him J-Dub. And he takes care of us. He's the, the player guy. He comes down and says, hey, we need this for promotions. And these people need to go out this way. But, you know, and he says, there's a after. I, I'm glad I did it the first year. There was a. 
it was like a volunteer thing. There was no money involved. You weren't getting paid to do it. But we went out. It was uh, Jason Lousman and myself who were roommates, and we said, hey, we'll just do it. It's, it was a free meal after the game. So we went up, and it was all the ushers and all the staff, and they had like a huge barbecue after the game. And they just wanted a couple of players for 10 minutes of our time. And we just and it was great to see how thankful those people were just for 10 minutes of our time getting to like actually come up and talk to us. It was awesome. What's the best thing about playing in Dayton? The ballpark. We got unbelievable facilities there. You know, I, when I was spoiled really at UC, and I haven't, I haven't met anything that's matched UC's facilities since I've been in pro ball, which is, it's minor league baseball, but, you know, the facilities in Dayton are as close as they get. With our, we've got a lounge, we can, you know, you can get away in Dayton. There's a place where you can go to get away. And, you know, the ballpark, you take BP, it's nice to take ground balls on. Everything is just top of the line. They go overboard, and they really, the grounds crew does an amazing job there taking care of that ballpark. Especially once we leave, there'll be a two-week span where we'll leave, and there'll be a high school tournament there. And they just, I mean, it, it could be completely tore up. When we come back, it's, ru- it's, it's rough for, you know, a game or two until they can get it back under them, and then it's they're, they're all over it. What's the worst thing about playing in Dayton? I would say the distractions for myself. I mean, it was a lot of that first year. It was it was tough for me personally more than it would be for somebody from you know Texas or California. It was me going to school up here. I had a ton of distractions that first year that I wasn't extremely comfortable handling. I didn't know really how to do it. I was getting calls daily. Hey, can you get me on the list? Can you get me on the list for tickets? Can you get can can you do me this? Can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? And at that time, I didn't know how to handle it. There was so much going on, and all I cared about was trying to get to the park and find a way out of the slump. I was hitting 100 at one point. Like I need to get to the park and do this, and I was I had so much going on in my head that was the huge distraction for me. But the second year, you know, I just got locked in and told people, hey, if you call me before 12, perfect. Anytime after 12, I'm, I can't guarantee I'll get you on the list because I'll probably be at the park. Do you like playing in front of your friends and family and that kind of thing? I do. do I really do. Does yeah. it, does it, do you think it helps you? You know, I'm not sure that it helps me or hurts me in any way. I just know that it's comforting knowing that somebody is there watching you and knowing that they're there rooting for you. And they came to that game not to watch the team as much, but to watch what you're doing. As a player, does it help playing in front of the big crowds every night at home? Yeah, especially, you know, everybody says the dog days of August. August is a long month for a baseball player. After your spring training, you can kind of get through the first couple months. As soon as August hits, you're just like, whoa. Everything is tired. Your legs are tired. Your arm is tired. You switch to a different bat because the bats get heavy. I mean, everything is tired on your body, and that's just part of the season. But when you're there at home playing in front of 8,000 people, like you say, every night, as soon as that crowd walks in the gate, boom, you're up. Your energy's ex- you're on fire. You're, I mean, you're back up on top. The rough part about Dayton is when you go on the road in August, and you go to like, uh, that's when you make another long road trip to Burlington or wherever you go, or to Clinton, Iowa, and there's 10 people in the stands, and it's 98 degrees with you know 90% humidity. It's hot, humid. Nobody wants to be there. That's when it gets tough in Dayton. Is when you have to go on the road and play in front of nobody. Long bus trip and then playing in front of nobody in hot bad weather and yada yada yada. So mid July, I think it was the 18th. 18th yeah, was my your birthday. 18th was your first game in, in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. You got promoted. 
Were you surprised that it took so long? Were you surprised? Did it take a little longer than you thought? Did it happen about the way you thought it would? And how were you told that you were being promoted? Well, a lot of it was I had figured out. They don't tell you a whole lot. You know, it's all kind of a big secret, big guessing game. But I figured out at that time Waring was hurt. Waring had broken his thumb or, you know, some some kind of thumb injury. We couldn't figure out what it was. It was ended up being like a fracture or something. But he had a messed up thumb and... That's when my numbers really went up. My walks and everything went up because a lot of the times it was obvious they weren't. I wasn't getting the pitches I was getting to hit. They were kind of pitching around me and they were comfortable with me taking a walk. So my numbers start going up, and I'm wondering why am I not getting promoted? Why am I not getting promoted? Why am I not? And we had Soto up, so I figured, okay, they brought somebody up to replace Waring at, at this moment. Now what? Why can't I go? And towards the end of it, I needed. I knew when Waring came back healthy that I was gone. And the day that he got cleared to play, we were in uh, Cedar Rapids. And the day he got cleared to play, I played one more game, and Donnie called me into his office and said, he's, you know, he calls me in and says, Park, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, all right. And I walk in, I know what it is, you know. And he said, hey, man, congratulations, you're out of here. And I was like, what? He's like, you're going to Sarasota tomorrow morning. Okay. So they were waiting. They needed somebody to play first base. I basically, I basically think, you know, with McKinnon being there, and they wanted somebody else. They wanted wearing back off the DL because they, they were still. Yeah, they needed a push for the playoffs as well. Yeah. So they kept me there as long as they could, in my opinion. And then as soon as Waring got healthy, I knew when he got healthy, I would get out of there. And that day, he said, "Hey, I'm clear." The doctor said he was clear. The trainer, everybody, you know, Donnie was on the phone with uh, Freddie Benavides, and he said, "All right, Waring's healthy." He said, "Cool." Uh, he goes, all right, we'll send Park. And I heard Donnie say, Park. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, all right, man, I'll talk to you later. And he hangs up. So that's when everybody on the bus was like, hey, you're probably leaving. I was like, yeah, probably. So you end up spending just about half the season in Sarasota, mm -hmm. give or take, what, 30, 40 at-bats, I reckon. And your numbers in Sarasota were even better than your numbers in Dayton, which isn't a big surprise, I guess, considering you struggled right. for the first couple of months. But is it just the shoulder got healthier? Or was it playing time? Was it a combination? Was it both those things? Health. Health was a lot of it, and it's tough. Like I said, when I told you when I first saw you in Dayton, that is my spring training. It was tough for me to get anything else going because I had no spring training, and I was trying to work through some kinks while it was going on my stats. A lot of times in spring training, people can go over a million because it doesn't matter. You're working on something. So I was trying to come back, and by the time I got to Sarasota, I was healthy. I was in a groove coming out of Sar coming out of Dayton. I was hot, and you know, and when I got there, it just you know, luckily it carried over. It really did, and I had some. You know, I worked. I've always worked well with uh, Ryan Jackson, the hitting coach in Sarasota. Always have worked well with him, and I, he was our hitting coach my first spring training. Left-handed hitter knows a lot about my swing, and you know, as soon as I got to Sarasota, it was an easy transition going from Bragg, who I worked well with, going right into Jackson. You talking about, and this made me think of something else that didn't even on my my, my crib sheets here. You're talking about working on something in spring training. How tough is it when you're in spring training and you're trying to make a certain, you're trying to get bumped up to the next level? So you, you need to impress, but yet you probably have certain things that you need to work on. Is, is there a, a competition in what you're trying to do, or a conflict in what you're trying to do there? There's a fine line that you have to kind of walk along, but a lot of times they know as, as an organization, they know what you're trying to do. They know you're trying to get better. They know you're trying to work on, some, on certain things that will help you in a season. Spring training is to get you ready for a season. If you're not in shape, get you in shape. 
if you need certain at-bats to get you those at-bats. But I think as an organization, I would hope, I'm not positive on this, but I would hope is if they're watching you and you're struggling, but you're making an adjustment that they're asking you to make, that they would know, okay, this is eventually going to turn out and it's going to work the way we want it to. And that's a good job that uh, our hitting coordinator does, Ronnie Ortegon. He sticks with he sticks with the plan, and if you're struggling with that plan, he'll stick with it until you realize, like he realizes, you can't do anything else with it. You're struggling too bad. Let's move on. Let's try something else. But I feel like he really sticks up for us, all the hitters and stuff in our meetings when they have the organizational meeting. That he'll walk in there and stick up for you. When uh, when you go to spring training. Do you think the team has is, is, is made up their mind about where you're going to go or, or do, and you have to change it or is it kind of an open competition and you're, depending on how well you do, is going to be where you get slotted or, or, or is it a, comp, you know? I really, I really would like to feel that it is an open competition for everyone. A clean slate. If you within, put, within, within parameters. Right. Yeah. With, uh, but it, I, in my opinion, it's not. And I feel like, because the first day you get to spring training, you're on a team. They put you... My first year in spring training, we were all, all of us Billings kids, we were all on date on Sarasota's roster. And then as big league camp starts bumping down all their cuts, the rosters then play out. So we all end up in Dayton. So this year, we were all on Chattanooga's roster. And as the camp fills down, we all go to Sarasota. It filters down. They know. I, I really believe that they know. And they tell you, there's meetings daily. You know, guys keep working hard. There's open jobs out there. You can win a job. You're winning a job today. That's all you have to think about. I really don't feel like you are. I, I feel that when – I feel like they know right now where, you're where Logan Parker is starting next year. And they say, you know, just tell them – they told Joe when, you know, Terry Rail told him, he's like, just tell them show up ready spring training, ready to go. You know, just be in shape, ready to rock. Let's go back to Sarasota for a minute here. What, what was the biggest – what are the biggest adjustments you saw between playing in Dayton and playing in Sarasota, other than the crowd? Everybody talks about, you know, you go from playing in front of 9,000 people to playing in front of 500 on a good night. The fans, the weather, you know, the coaching staff, you have to deal with the new coaching staff. It's it's kind of an adjustment period. Donnie and uh, Joe Ayroth, the manager in, in Sarasota, are a lot alike. Joe's a younger Donnie, kind of. A lot, you know, a lot of the same temperaments. A lot of the same fire. They were both catchers, so they both know the game real well. They both manage very well. And, uh, you know, when I got to Sarasota, there's a lot more of a, almost a laid-back feel to the Florida State League, which we were out of the playoffs by the time I got there pretty much. We, I mean, we were still playing hard every day. We show up to the park wanting to win. But there's almost more of a laid-back feel when you go on bus trips, when you do everything. The travel's a lot better in the Florida State League because you don't have to drive you know, four hours just to go play. Your closest game in Dayton is, you know, three or four hours at Fort Wayne. So when you get to Sarasota, everything's closed. The longest bus trip was three and a half, and it was to Daytona Beach. So we pulled up our hotels on the beach. You get over a three and a half hour bus trip real <laughs> Pretty quick. Pretty quick, huh? Real quick. You talk about the weather. Even though you play 99% of your games in Sarasota at night, it still can be miserable hot. It is. And the day games can be... The day ugly. games are just get through. Yeah. Almost just... Keep the sweat off, and uh, the big ammonia bucket in the in the in the in the dugout. You just come in and soak yourself after every inning, and you sit there, and your uniform is literally soaked with water, ammonia, Gatorade, you know, sweat, everything. And you, by the time you're done, you're just physically wore out. But the night games, 
It's not so much the games that get you in the Florida State League that make you tired. It's the routine that gets you to the game. It's the going out early and stretching and throwing and hitting and taking an infield. Before the sun goes down. And do everything in the afternoon. Then you go in and you get an hour break, and then you come back out and play the game. You almost feel drained before the game starts. Almost. If yeah. you, it's That's when proper nutrition and your diet and your exercise and everything really comes into play. Is in those, and especially when I was there in August, in July and August, you got to really find a way to take better care of yourself. The Midwest League is, I, I'm pretty sure, known as a hitters league. And the Florida State League, the opposite. It's pretty much known as a pitchers league. Is it the ballparks? Is it the weather? Is it just the elevation of the talent, or is it a combination of those things? Any ideas? A combination of all three, really. You know, a lot of teams have their top prospects in the Florida State League. Pitching prospects with the Tigers, that Rick Brasello kid, six five, six six right-hander throwing ninety four with devastating changeup and breakable. He's he's going to be in the big leagues. He's got big league stuff. He's very good. He's there. I mean, they've got Joe Savory with the Phillies, left-handed pitcher, ninety ninety two, good slider, good changeup. They've got good talent in the Florida State League, but the difference is, in my opinion, huge ballparks. Those ballparks are huge in the gaps. They're made for major league teams in March when the ball's carrying a little bit better. In the summer, the ball's not going anywhere. It's so hot and humid that you literally have to crush a ball to get it out in some of these ballparks. And there's some ballparks that are just graveyards. You're not going to go deep in, one, in some of them. Sarasota, luckily, the ball carries a little bit better than some. But there does are. It carry, some, does it carry the left better than right in Sarasota? Left center. Yeah. Better. A lot better. Is it a tough adjustment playing going from Dayton to, to Sarasota? It may have been a, a tougher adjustment for somebody who hasn't played with those guys, but those were my guys. Those that was That's my draft class. class. Those were my friends. Like when I had to leave, the hardest part about going to Dayton was I knew two or three kids on the team. I knew Cozart, McKinnon, and Waring because Waring was there the year before. And I knew Mesoraco a little bit from spring training in Phipps. Yeah. But there was a couple, like, in, you know, Keltavius Jones, I knew him. But for the most part, I didn't. those weren't my guys. So right. that was almost, whoa, a little bit more shocking and kind of scary and nerve-wracking going to play for a lower level than playing with my guys in Sarasota. When I got to Sarasota, those were all my good friends. There was, home week. Yeah, there was, no, there was no adjustment really playing with that team. I knew, every, I knew where the, all those guys were going to be at every time because I played with them. Is the weather the toughest thing about playing in Sarasota, or the lack of crowds, or...? I think it's the lack of crowds, really. There's no... I mean, when you're playing a date, like I said earlier, it really gets you up. You're, I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're having a terrible day, you're getting up, because the fans are going nuts. And if you're getting blown out, the fans are still there. And if you're dominating somebody, and everybody's hitting, and, and you're the one guy on the team, which seems to happen quite a bit, if your team puts up ten runs and you still don't have a hit yet. You know, things like that, It's still you can still find a way to get up for a game in Dayton. But in Sarasota, when you go through those long streaks of, okay, I was over 4 today, well, I smoked a ball. Then I was over 3 with a walk. And it's hard to find a positive when you're over 8 or 9 in Sarasota when it's very easy to find a positive in Dayton. Do you think the uh, this year they're changing the scheduling in the Florida State League, from what I've been told? They're going to a north-south schedule versus an east-west schedule. Really? Because there's so many teams. Matt told me this. Because all the teams now are on the West Coast, except yeah. for uh, Daytona and who's the Mets? There's a Mets team. Port St. Lucie. Port St. Lucie. They're about the only ones left on the East Coast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Matt told me that. You think that's going to make it a tougher league to play in? You'll have more travel. You'll. 
I, I can't imagine how much higher the travel budget's going to be for the teams. I don't know. And, you know, to be honest with you, I really hope I don't have to deal with the Florida State League. And we'll, we'll talk about that, yeah. But, you know, as far as playing in a tougher league, when I got there, we weren't playing against a lot of the other division. That A lot of those games had already been taken care of. But a tough place to play is Daytona because you're in the first base dugout. Anytime that a, tr- a visiting team goes into Daytona, they're at a huge disadvantage. You're in the first base dugout. It's the first minor league the park sun, I ever went to. The sun comes, you've seen it then. Mm-hmm. The sun comes right in that dugout. And it is miserably hot there. For some reason, there's no airflow. You have to sit outside the dugout. You see the little bench mm-hmm. outside, even close to the bullpen. So we're sitting almost in the bullpen as players, just getting beat on by the sun. Because I mean, the dugout, yeah, there's shade, but it's there's no airflow. It's the oldest ballpark in the Florida State League, I believe. And it, it shows. Yeah. And it's I mean it's bad. It's hot. It's miserable. And the playing field is not that great. So anytime Daytona is a tough place to play. It really is. But you know, as far as other teams, I didn't really even get a chance to, you know, experience it. Let's look, did you have goals set for, for last year? You know, one of my goals, almost like a New Year's resolution, my girlfriend and I joked about, was uh, coming back fully healthy and finding a way to end up the year in double-A. And, you know, as, as far as I didn't end up in double-A, but I feel at the end of it, I was, you know, one step away from being in double-A. I was... A phone call. I was two weeks away from being in Double A because I was hot in Sarasota, and if Double A, I feel if Double A needed a push in the playoffs, if they were in a playoff race, then I would be in Double A. And with them signing Yonder, they said, you know, there was rumors going around. I was talking to Turner quite a bit when he was in Chattanooga, and he's like, "Hey, when are you coming?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And he goes, "Well, even Golf, their manager said, you know, we should be getting Parker here soon." So there was talk going around. So that, you know, that was a comfort level for me. Yeah, I had goals, and my goals were really to stay healthy for a year, get healthy and stay healthy, and find a way to get to Chattanooga. As, as, a, as a hitter, do you remember individual games from last year or, or individual at-bats, or does the, they just kind of blend all together? No, there's some individual games I remember. There's some at-bats. You know, one of them that I remember the best, <laughs> in Sarasota we were at, we were at home, right-handed pitcher for the Cardinals comes in, and everybody's just like, watch this guy's stuff. He's he's unbelievable. He's an eighth-inning, ninth-inning guy, set-up man, closer, 94-96, hard sinker, and just throws everything hard. Hard slider, hard sinker, everything is hard. And I'm like, what? I know it's going to sink away from me, and I know it's hard. I'll just get the head out there a little bit and try to stay left center. First pitch he throws me, I take, and I'm like, what? all right, it is pretty hard. And the next pitch, stayed on it, hit it out to left center. And as I come in the dugout, everybody's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. You told me where it was going to be. I'm like, yeah, it just happened. I mean, it was hard, and you said it sinks. So, I mean, I did it. But, And another one I really remember is Francisco always says, if anybody who's watched Juan Francisco play, he is a guy, you know, Bragg's big on it too. If you hit a home run and you hit it a mile, look at it a little bit. You're not showing up the pitcher. The pitcher knows he made a mistake, and you hit it out. Kind of look at it. I mean, you're not rubbing it in. You're not doing anything crazy. Francisco, anytime he hits a ball hard, he kind of stands in the box and looks at it. That's him. That's what he does, and you can't take that away from him. And he hits the ball hard a lot. He hits a lot of home runs. So he always asks me, he's like, why don't you ever stare at it? Why don't you ever stare at it? You know, his little Latin accent and stuff. And me and him have a very good relationship, and I'm always like, that's just you, man. I said, that's what you do. I don't do it. And I hit a ball in Clearwater, and we were talking about it that day. 
Because I, I hit him in BP sometimes, and I'll just, especially on the last swing, I'll stand there and I'm screaming, I'm rubbing it in his face and stuff. But, you know, he's like, do it in the game, do it in the game. I'm, like, I'm not going to do it in the game. And I hit a ball that night to right center in Clearwater that almost got out of the stadium, and I hit it a mile. I, I really crushed the ball and came to the dugout and ran the bases at a fairly quick pace. And I came to the dugout, high-fived everybody, and he didn't get up. I walk, I said, Cisco, what's up? And I go over and I give him a hug, and he's like, no, no, no. Don't talk to me. I'm like, what? what's wrong with you? And he's like, no, you hit a ball that far in his accident. He says, you stand and watch it. <laughs> and I said, all right, I'll stand and watch the next one. But those are two that I really remember from Sarasota. With, with NFL, when you hear them talk about NFL players and they talk about the game experience or when things are going well, the game kind of slows down for them. When you're on a hot streak as a hitter, does the game feel easier? It does. You're not pressing. BP's easy. They say, you know, it's a situation around hit everything the opposite field. I get a pitch inside, and my hands and barrel automatically come inside the baseball, and it's a line drive to left center, whereas other times I'm trying to do it, and I'm fouling it off and doing everything. That's a lot of working with these kids out here at Champions has done me a huge favor. It really They always say if you have a chance to do lessons in the offseason, do them. And uh, really working with these kids, we need money. Okay, let's take a break right there. We'll give you the rest of that interview with Logan Parker. Next time, thanks a lot to Bill Lack and to Logan Parker for taking the time uh, for RedLegNation.com. We'll try to have the rest of that interview up for you in the next few days. Until then, keep those fingers crossed. Spring training's on its way. Maybe this will be a good one in uh, Red Leg Nation. So long. <laughs>